Welcome to the Not All Love and Night podcast. I'm your host, Romy Moreno, and today we have Yane Diaz, founder of Basitude, stress and anxiety coach, video producer, marketing strategist, and singer. Welcome. Happy to be here, Romy. I'm happy to have you. That's <laughs> a lot of one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Really? So I'm really Tell honored me more. to be. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. So for for those listening, we've been friends now for what, like uh, eight years? No. I was pregnant with Ian. He's going to be five. It feels like eight, though. It feels like a long time. I said <laughs> 10 the other day to somebody. And I'm like, no, it's five. It's five years. But I remember our first date. That's mm-hmm. how I like to call it. Mm-hmm. I was actually oh, pregnant. Mm-hmm. And we met on, um, it's called Girlfriend Social. I was actually going through a breakup, a best friend breakup. And I wanted to connect with somebody that was more like-minded like me. So I found this website, Girlfriend Social, to find girlfriends in your area. And you're the only person I ever met on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be fair, it was a little bit of a weird site. Uh, once we, the, the type of people um, there just were interesting. And when I saw your profile, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's normal. <laughs> and it's funny how the universe works because. I, that was not even in my radar, Girlfriend Social, and I was actually at Cheesecake Factory, and I saw on the menu, there was an ad on the menu itself for this site about just meeting up with new friends. And I'd just come back from a failed tech startup partnership, and I was really <laughs> wanting to connect with like-minded people, so here we are. That's great. Four yeah, I remember you, mes- you messaged me, and I was like, yeah, okay, and it did really feel like a date, so it was weird because I was married to Roger. And I'm like, this is kind of weird, but it's not, right? And <laughs> I remember we went to Finca and I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm like pregnant. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, but it was so crazy because, you know, we clicked right away. We're both Scorpio, Scorpio ascendants. Like we are like. Double Scorpio. Yeah. Watch out, people. You don't know what's about to happen in this podcast. <laughs> we're very, very similar, but we're very, very different. And we just clicked right away. And it was just, it was so funny because a lot of things going on in your life, I kind of like went through them. So it was, we were like parallel parallel paths. Yes, paths. And um, I remember when we went to Cine Bistro that night, you know, the conversation, everything that went down, it was just like, I literally, like this, how does this even happen? Like (laughs) the things that we were talking about, like too much. And I remember getting in the car because after, you know, that that failed friendship that I had, I did do a list, me and my list of like people that I want to manifest into my life. And I remember that I wrote a list of all the qualities that I wanted in a friend that I didn't have. And when I remember getting in the car and I'm like, check, 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 (laughs) check, check. And then I screenshot it. I'm like, you're it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, it, it's been it's been a while that that we've been friends and very similar too. We both um, became coaches at the same time. Mm-hmm. We both did our coaching with um, RMT, which is the Robbins and Madonna's training um, with Tony Tony Robbins and Chloe Madonna's, and it was just we were we would have our accountability calls every week. We would like you were like it was amazing, <laughs> you know. Like our friendship really helped me grow into like a better person which is if you don't have friends to help you grow like Mm -hmm. what the fuck are you doing no i feel like we have a really great balance because for example one of the things i've always really admired about you is your discipline 
Like when you send your mind up to something, there's nobody more disciplined and more dedicated than you. And one of the areas where especially I admire you is the working out thing, because I don't particularly love working out. I know a lot of people don't and a lot of people do. In my case, that has been an area where I have not been so consistent in my life. And I would see Romy and then she would be like with her nutrition, with her workouts, five in the morning. I'm like, five in the morning. With my big ass belly too, because I worked out throughout <laughs> my whole I'm practicing. like, oh my goodness. Yeah, this is why we're friends. Yeah, so. yeah, great, great balance for sure. So going back, we did do our, our coaching with, with Tony Robbins. And even though we learned a lot in that coaching program, we both went on our own paths of how we approach our coaching you're more of a stress and anxiety coach. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about um, Pasi Dude, your mission, and the type of coaching that you do? Of course. So first of all, Pasi Dude is a word that I made up by combining the Spanish words paz and actitude, peace and attitude. So it means attitude of peace. And it was the result of a lot of self-discovery and soul-searching the universe kind of like slowly nudged me to get to this. And this is what is my life mission today. So my mission is really to connect people with their inner peace. Because in my own past, I was living with underlying and recurrent levels of anxiety. And I guess it's stress in the form of anxiety. And uh, for a lot of my life, I wasn't even aware. So, I mean, it's a bit of a, of a, of a longer story, but that's in essence how I got to where I am today with Pasi Dude. So eventually, after realizing that, wow, family is a big source of anxiety. Hmm. And I come from a very good family with a lot of love. This is where I grew up. I actually grew up in Cuba. I was born and raised over there during the special period. And always very cuddled, always very like the family, oh, the, you know, the perfect, the perfect little child. And you're an only child too, so. Right. <laughs> yes. The perfect little child, you know, uh, raised in the same home by my parents and grandparents. So I have four adults on top of me, you know, praising me as a child. And so because, and we're going to talk about this, we, about, the, about the human need, because I believe our biggest uh, driving need as humans is really wanting to feel loved, wanting to feel like we are enough. As children, unconsciously, we do things to really connect with our immediate family. You know, as children, our world are the people who raise us, generally, right? Generally, it's parents, but it could be anybody who raised you. So we do whatever we can to make sure we hold on to that love. And one of the huge things that I realized as an adult was that because of that desire to really connect with my family and just, you know, once you raise the bar, you don't want to come down because they're going to be disappointed. I had made all of my life decisions, including, you know, what I'm going to study, what career I'm going to choose based on that fear-based desire to please the family and not disappoint them. And throughout my 20s, right, as I was, you know, I was accepted into law school, my dad's dream, turned it down, decided not to go. All of a sudden, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm not going to do law school, which is what I thought I was going to do since I was five. And then I'm like, okay, so let me try this thing out. Started to work. And all of that I did, I achieved a lot of success, but I was still operating with anxiety. Didn't know it. Ended up in the hospital with a diagnosis that I needed to be a taking heartburn medication for life. Heartburn? Yeah, so I had to have an endoscopy because 
pretty much anything that I would eat, including water, would burn me as it would go down. I would be walking around the house at two in the morning with chest pain, trying to like overcome so I could go back to sleep. And so I'm like, what is going on? So I had an endoscopy. And then the result of the endoscopy, the doctor just said, you just have a hyperacidic stomach. And I couldn't understand why, you know, because I was eating healthy. I was exercising. I even had a personal trainer at the time, believe me. I was like, what am I doing wrong? I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? And so the doctor, I said, okay, fine, doctor. How do I fix this? How, how can we fix it? Well, you just got to take Nexium, this, this heartburn medication. Okay, for how long? No, forever. I'm like, what? And so that really was a pivotal moment in me realizing, oh my God, I got to take this into my own hands. And so in essence... This is just a little bit to tell you about the journey of realizing that at the end of the day, the source of my um, heartburn, of my illness, was actually these underlying levels of anxiety that I was achieving from. And so the moment I left that job that I was at, starting my own business, had independence of time and freedom and found meaning in the work that I did, I realized my heartburn is gone. And I was drinking stuff like wine that would really exacerbate it normally, no heartburn. So that really kind of set me on the path to where I am today, which is like, wow, if you're not in alignment with who you are, if you're operating from fear-based states rather than love-based states, you're bound to make your body sick. A hundred percent. I had this conversation with um, Melissa and Lori when I had them on the podcast. All, most issues that you have internally will show up in the body without you realizing. Yeah, so you talked about earlier Tony Robbins, right? And a lot of, he helped me a lot before I even became certified in his programs. One huge area where I just became aware of is what, are, what is driving us? What, what are our needs? Like, why was I doing the things that I was doing, right? So I came across one of his videos. I did not know who he was. And I was in my like 20, 22, 23 years old. And I, and I come across this video and I'm like, okay, this looks interesting. You know, it was something along the lines of you're two millimeters away from, you know, making it or something along those lines. And I really connected with it. And that's where I learned about what it is that drives us as humans. So that actually ended up serving as a very nice foundation for me to, to really come to terms with, wow, this way that I'm going about work this way that I'm going about friendships, this way that I'm going about family is not really sustainable. It's not the quality of life that I want to have. Because the quality of life that I want to have, think about it this way. You know, the, the, there's uh, disciplines and religions out there that talk about a heaven and a hell. So let's go with the idea that heaven is the absolute best place everybody wants to go to. Everybody feels good. Everything is perfect. Everything is amazing. And hell is the opposite of it. Let's just, let's just go with that definition. I am a firm believer that while we have life, we're here to create heaven on earth from within. And to be honest, I was not living a heaven on earth when I was constantly worrying about what are people going to think? I need to perform. I need to succeed. Because if I don't, I'm going to lose the approval of my tribe, my family, my friends, the people at work. Yeah, like your self-worth was your achievements. Absolutely. It was not coming from within. So, of course, I was dependent on external validation. And it was never enough. 
never enough. There's a lot of people dealing with with stress and anxiety. Like I see it all the time. I was like that all the time. I, I used to be stressed out like over the craziest thing. Like this morning, I got my protein shake. I was shaking it. I didn't close it properly. And that shit went everywhere. And I just so happened to be shaking it in my room because I was getting my crystal bracelets. So I'm like shaking. And that shit went all over my bed sheet, all over my clothes. Romy in the past would have fucking yelled and been so like, why does everything happen to me? Mind you, I have an ankle brace. You know, for when I messed up my ankle. And completely dressed, ready to go. And I'll have chocolate protein shake everywhere. And I'm just like, really? And I realized in that moment, even today, I've grown so much. I've grown so much. I just started cleaning everything. My heart rate didn't elevate. I was calm. I was annoyed because I had to change my clothes But I was just, and clean my sheets and everything. But I was just like, you know what? This really sucks, but I'm using it as a moment to realize how much I've grown. I love that. And I shifted my perspective. It didn't make me feel that much better because I, I was just like, you know, fuck this. I'm not changing my socks because the sock is underneath them. <laughs> and I didn't get any any protein shake on my socks. So I'm like walking around like changing. And I was just like, this is annoying. But so much growth. And it's because of all the work that I've done to manage my stress and my anxiety. For me, it's been the working out. I work out because it's for my mental health, not really for, yes, I like to look good. I like to fit in clothes. I like to be comfortable. Obesity does run in my family. A lot of people don't know this, but my mom was actually 498 pounds and my sister was 220. Wow. So when I was pregnant with Zach, my first son, and I gained 65 pounds, I was just literally at the next day at the hospital pushing my kid around in the hallway. <laughs> like, this is not going to be my life. So, yes, I like to, you know, be fit, whatever. But when I realized what it did for my depression and my anxiety, that's what hooked me to working out. Meditation, you know, journaling, like all of these things have helped me so much to get to a place where I could fucking like spill protein shake all over my room when I'm trying to get out of the house and and I have a complete meltdown. I love it. I mean, this is a great example. And I really admire your strength of character. And, you know, you're, you've always been so driven for growth. Your need for growth has always been bigger than your need to have everything exactly as you need to have it at every given moment, right? That's my first human need. But we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into that now. But before we do that, though, I just want to highlight something that you said. So the shake spills, you're in a rush, it goes everywhere. You had a choice at that moment. I can either freak out about this, and guess what? That's not going to make you feel good. That's going to make you feel worse. Yeah, and, and there's such a thing as stress chemicals that get unleashed. And over the long term, that leads to disease, right? So at some point, and this was transformative for me as well on my own journey to manage my own stress and anxiety, or, you know, to say it differently, to connect with my peace. At some point, I decided I'm going to prioritize my peace. So the moment you make that decision that you want to feel good and you want to prioritize your peace, then you, this thing happens with the shake. And at that moment, you already know that you now are prioritizing your peace. So in that moment, you're like, okay, 
what is the less stress way here? Mm-hmm. What is going to connect me to my peace? Mm-hmm. Freaking out? No, I don't think so. Not that it didn't re- play in my head. I saw the whole scenario go down how I wanted to act initially, like my first primal instinct. Mm-hmm. Of course. But then I was just like, deep breath, release. I'm not going to do it. She's not going to happen. It's, and, and that's where it's at. A lot of people would say, no, 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 I can't do that. Uh, no. That, my, see, th- this is not how I am. How I am is this is going to happen and it's fine. I'm just going to express my emotions. And listen, I am all for expressing emotions. Emotions need to be expressed. Right. They absolutely must come out. They need to be expressed. But how you express your emotions, you do have control over. Because emotions are always going to be there. But how you express, you have a choice. You can express them in constructive ways, in loving ways, in kind ways, or not. And it's about training yourself to get to this point. Because anybody that listens to my podcast and knows me for years and years and years, 13 years ago, you would look at me the wrong way and I was ready to trump you. Like, I was very violent. I was very aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder which human need is that? Significant. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it was crazy. So for me, I still see it repeating in my head. Like even if somebody like tells me something and I'm just looking at them like, wow. Like my initial like way that I want to react based on my conditioning from all my years of survival trauma, you know. But then I'm just like, it, it's giving yourself that space of the moment something happens. And giving yourself space to actually let your thoughts process before you take action. Mm -hmm. That's huge for me. So let me ask you something. In your own journey, think back to the very beginning of this practice, right? Because obviously over time you practice and you get better and better and better like with anything. But over at the beginning, was there a tool or a strategy that you used to pause and think before reacting? I talk to myself out loud. So you implemented a strategy where something would happen and before reacting, you would just talk to yourself out loud. Yeah, because if I try to do it in my head, my thoughts are way louder. Mm-hmm. And I would just, just take a moment, not worth it, and literally like calm myself down and bring myself down. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So that's a, good, that's a good tip because in my case, it was actually quite different. Um, at the age of 19, I went to a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And the whole objective of those 10 days, by the way, it's 10 days without books, without TV, without computers, without cell phones, without exercising. I was happy about that one. You you actually included that in your first message to me on Girlfriend Social. Oh, did I? Yes. Oh, my God. I completely forgot. <laughs> I do not remember what I said in that message. I was in a different consciousness then. But the reason why I bring this up is because you don't need to go and meditate to have a foundation to make these types of changes. So. What you just share is, I just decided I was going to say it out loud before reacting. In my case, um, I was reactive as a younger as a younger version of myself, right? Then my, 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 my high school years, my middle school years, react, react, react. But then it really helped me when I did this meditation retreat because the entire focus was breathe, listen to, observe. In other words, observe your thoughts, observe the reaction, observe whatever wants to come out. And then do not generate neither craving or aversion. In other words, do not react or just be neutral for a moment. And it really, really set me up to observe before reacting. For me, it's really about how life drives you to where you need to be. 
And for everybody, it's different. You don't need to go and meditate. You don't need to even talk your, your, yourself out loud. There's other strategies. Yeah, you so. need to find what works for you. Exactly. Whatever works. And that's why experimentation is everything. I'm a huge proponent for experimentation when it comes to your growth, when it comes to your nutrition, when it comes to your workouts, when it comes to everything. Because what works for one person is not going to work for somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? Now that you say that, another huge thing that contributed to my peace, my inner peace, was realizing there's nobody in the world exactly like me. And for that matter, exactly like you and exactly like anybody else that's currently listening to this podcast. The combination of life experiences, the cellular composition, the subtleties of even from our physical to our soul to anything, there's absolutely not one person exactly like us in the world. Maybe in another dimension, but... Oh, well, yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> listen, I don't know about dimensions. There's so much we don't know, right? But what gave me a lot of peace in, in my own journey towards self-worth is there's nobody like me. So it, it's okay for me not to be and do exactly as the other person. It's okay for me to feel differently about this, this thing, you know? And really accepting ourselves from where we are and being comfortable in our own in our own body in our inner world and that matching the external world for me that was transformative when it came to my peace yeah and honestly like you said when you want to make peace your priority that is a huge priority of mine like if it interrupts my peace it's too expensive exactly i love that it is like i will literally cut somebody off like no you're disrupting my peace I will cut you. <laughs> <laughs> I will. You've seen like the memes that says like, you can't go around cutting people out of your life. And then this guy's like holding like a huge scissor. <laughs> and people are just sending me stuff like this. I'm like, I will. And it's nothing against the person. It's just, I just don't have the capacity to deal with bullshit. Mm -hmm. I've dealt with it way too long in my life. Like I do not. I, I could have the capacity. I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I just don't have room for any of that shit. You're unapologetically yourself. Yeah. And it took me a long time to be that, that way because a, a lot of my childhood, I was trying to be accepted and included and in everything that I didn't know who I was. I was mimicking other people and trying to be like them just so I could be accepted for a very long time. So really honing in on who I am and what I'm really OK with and what my core values are and all of this. Mm. I'm, it took me a long time to get here, and it feels fucking fantastic mm -hmm. to be here. I'm not, I'm not gearing away from that, right? So if it disrupts my peace or it goes against any of my core values, it ain't for me. Amen. You know, like the movie Avatar, we were talking about this earlier. I see you. I see you. I see you. Yeah, that's my favorite movie. <laughs> I love it. I've seen it so many times. Do you know what I love about that movie? Or one of the many things, because there's a lot. Of, there's a lot there to unpack. But it's the respect. In other words, the reverence for life, you know? And their connection to everything. The connection to everything. And I feel ultimately, as people, as humans here, the more we go on our spiritual, our own spiritual journey, which could be different for everybody, ultimately, the more we want to connect. You know what it is to be walking down a park and just seeing the tree and seeing the birds and hearing everything and just feeling like, oh, my God. God. Yeah, I this, do that. This, I know. And when you're on mushrooms, even more. 
about that. I don't know about that yeah, one, but I hear I know. people you have don't amazing know experiences you don't of know self-discovery. <laughs> you don't know about that, but let me tell you. Even microdosing, like, you know, when you microdose, you don't take a big enough amount to trip, right? It's just It just helps with your creativity, your anxiety, your depression, like, you're very connected. I remember one time I went for a run after microdosing and I see these beautiful trees with all these beautiful flowers and I'm like, wow, I love my life so much. Like, this is amazing. Like, why wouldn't people just live like this? <laughs> uh, let me tell you. So it's interesting because we can get to where we need to get to through different, through different ways, right? Through meditation, I know. Through um, breath work. Well, in, in, my, in my case, a lot of it or most of it has been through a lot of quiet time meditation and a lot of learning. To be frank, my mind is so logical. I have a, I have a very, very, very skeptical, logical mind. I used to be an atheist, okay? A lot of people don't know this about me, but I used to be an atheist. And uh, like, maybe we could have that in a different conversation, how that was transformed. But ultimately, in my case, I really needed to get quiet, go within, and I really needed to learn. I needed to hear about, you know, stuff that, Teachers like Sadhguru and stuff that he talks about. Um, believe it or not, Oprah, huge spiritual teacher for me. And many others that I have listened to along the way that kind of prime my mind to be open to it. And then the universe kind of nudged me into the work of angels. Right? And and I didn't believe in any of this stuff, by the way. But there was evidence provided. And I saw the results manifesting in my life. And little by little, I came closer to that. And it was just the bliss, the bliss, the realization that, wow, there is so much more in the world that what we can perceive with our five senses. There is so much more. It's like more that we don't know than that which we know. hundred percent. And it humbles you. It humbles you because we tend to, I think that most of us, I would say all of us, I mean, we have this thing where you know, we think we're the center of the universe. <laughs> we are the main characters of our lives. Okay, yeah, <laughs> we're definitely the main characters of our lives. And I think that it's a hum- human nature because you see it in children and small children. Like, uh, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a parenting expert or anything like that. But I have seen documentaries and I've seen things where, you know, when you're like two, you think you are the center of the universe. So I think that's innately built into us. Um, but eventually, as we get older and you realize, oh, I'm this little speck. And so insignificant in the universe. Then you start thinking about, okay, but we are connected, right? So one of the biggest realizations I've had about my insignificance and at the same time my significance is because we're all connected, the impact that we can have does have a ripple effect. And it could be a positive impact or negative impact or I guess neutral has its own category. But and feeling like what I do matters, no matter what it is, right? What I do matters. Like we're having this podcast right now. We're having this exchange. You already had a huge impact in my life and you're one person, right? Thank you. And our conversation, hopefully somebody that's going to listen to this, there might be something in here that's going to shift their perspective, that's going to give them some type of healing. That's going to give them some type of peace of mind, even with just 
coming closer to the journey to themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was my intention with starting my podcast. Yeah, which yeah. I love. And I, and it is not all over life, people. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. not. You know, this is part of the journey. It could be messy. It could be beautiful. It could be all of the things, right? And it's okay for it to be all of that. There was one time that I heard, uh, I think it was Jordan Peterson. And this really made it click for me. Like this whole thing that we're talking about, it made it click. Jordan Peterson, I think it was, he was talking about that the average person in life would have a thousand people that they impact in one way or another throughout their lifetime. The average person. We're not talking about the people speaking to the masses. We're talking about just average regular people. And he said, okay, so you come with your 1,000 people, Romy, and I come with my 1,000 people that we've had some type of impact in their lives. You multiply 1,000 times 1,000, that's already a million people that we've impacted in some kind of way. That was mind-blowing. I was like, okay, so I need to pay attention to what impact am I having in my surroundings? If I go to the grocery store and somebody's having a bad day or whatever, if I go to the grocery store and the cashier doesn't look very excited, I'm going to smile. That's the impact I want. I choose to have. You'd love talking to strangers. (laughs) (laughs) I am pretty social. Um, But it's funny because when you look at my personality test, I'm like smack in the middle, introvert and extrovert. For the Myers-Briggs? Yeah. So I, I I am too, but are you more towards a, extrovert? I'm probably like a point or two. Oh my god, more so am I. Extrovert. What is your full full one? My Myers Briggs. Oh, I forgot the letters, but I think it's ENTJ or uh, ENFJ. I think I'm ESTJ. So again, mm-hmm. very similar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm actually going to have somebody on the podcast Ooh. at some point to talk about that. They help the, the the personality test, the astrology. I know you bring to astrology. Um, you actually introduced me to a lot of little, nice little tools in astrology <laughs> that have been very helpful. Uh, you know, they are amazing tools for self-discovery, you know, because at the end of the day, what I realized is your soul always knows. You already know. You know, that's when you read something, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That applies. That applies. You know what's true for you already. But it's nice to see the words that can bring into your awareness who you really are. And it's true what they say, like. You heal others by healing yourself. Mm-hmm. And when I'm at my retreats, I feel it because of all the work that I've done. I'm here helping these people, and yeah. it's and if and it's such a fulfilling feeling to be able to help people because it's very hard. It's very hard to be on this journey to live life in a reactive state, to live life with stress and anxiety, to live life depressed, to live life thinking that you know you have more bad days than good. Or like if something good happens, you're just waiting for the ball to drop. Mm -hmm. I know what it is to live that way. Mm -hmm. And to not live that way is just, it's so euphoric. And for me to be able to give that, exactly, to be able to give that to people and teach them how they could live their lives like that, it's such a gift, not only to them, but to myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? The world needs it. All of us put their part and do do what we need to do to make a world a really a heaven on earth (laughs) (laughs) but it starts with understanding it starts with getting clarity about number one who am i and that it seems like such a simple question but it's really not it's the hardest question it's very hard to figure out like who you truly are like what are you truly what are your true beliefs without the conditioning because 
when we're born, we're already like given beliefs, like whether it's our religion, whether it's what our parents' beliefs are, like, oh, you have to grow up and you have to be married and you have to, you know, have kids. And, you know, it's just these beliefs that you think are yours, but they're really not. They're your parents or societies. Well, let's add to that. Even before you're born, you inherit your mother's emotions from the womb in the belly. Mm -hmm generational there's so since i work with with people with anxiety and that's a, a huge emotion we work on i know for a fact that sometimes anxiety tendencies are inherited from the belly of the mom and then the pattern just continued also through the environment and the upbringing and all of that whichever way by the way if you're listening to this that doesn't mean you're doomed for life that's it i've got it in the belly i'm done no no doesn't mean that you can Mark absolutely transform it you can absolutely overcome it to practice and intention and clarity but we're talking about you know the most difficult question about being who am i so who are you the first word that comes to mind is peace and the reason why is because a lot of people tell me how just being in my presence brings some peace I love that. You do bring me peace. Yeah. And other things. <laughs> <laughs> peace and love. Peace and love. Um, no, there's just a lot that goes into it. Peace, comfort, enjoyment. You know, there, there's so many experiences. But that's the first word that came up. Mm-hmm. But from my own work and, and knowing like who I am, I, I know that I'm somebody that's very loyal. I'm, I'm somebody that, that sticks to their word. Somebody that if I tell you, this is what I'm doing, like, I'm going to show up no matter what, because I like to show up for people as much as I like to show up for myself. I'm somebody that is disciplined. I'm somebody that is hardworking. I'm somebody that is very loving, right? I'm also somebody that will tell you what you need to hear, whether you like it or not, because it's going to be for your own good. Oh yeah, you're you're totally the no bullshit coach. And let me <laughs> let me tell you, if if you guys have a story that you're telling yourselves, like me, as to why you can't work out, mm-hmm. Romy would would, would Call slap you it out of your you. shit. Let and, me tell and, you. <laughs> and honestly, that works for some people, and some people need a softer approach. But I mean, I I could be very soft because I'm not just beating down my clients. But we're not here to fuck around. Like I'm gonna tell you what it is, how it is, and then I'm also very intuitive and very guided. So sometimes I say stuff and I'm like, I start questioning myself and I'm like, wait a minute, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. But the minute I say it, they're like, oh my God, how do you know? And I go, I don't know, I just know. <laughs> Romy knows, Romy always knows. <laughs> Romy always knows, that's gonna be a good song. But it's interesting, the fact that and again, I guess the, the conversation is going here. We, we want to go somewhere else, but the conversation keeps coming back to right. spirituality. It keeps coming back to coming home to yourself. It keeps coming back to, you know, really coming to terms with not just who you are, but also with the other side. What is psychic yeah, connection? What is intuition, right? So there's, you can't, you can't really touch that. You can't, you can't see it, you know? Uh, to a certain degree, you feel it, right? But it's usually not through the five senses. And one of the things that I that I also had to learn is like to surrender, to be able to receive. Like, right. what does the, what call it whatever you want. What does God, the universe, my soul, the angels, what, whatever you believe in, right? Whatever that is that created this world, the energy that creates world, whatever that is, it's bigger than any one of us and it was there before we were even born. 
So who are we to think that there's not, there's not more, that that's it, that we have to do all of this alone? And I didn't mention this night that just realized one of the biggest connectors to my own inner peace was surrendering to the to surrendering the belief that I had that I needed to do everything on my own. Oof, preach. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That I needed to figure it out on my own. That I needed to get the success that I was craving for, that I felt that I needed to have, you know, to impress my family on my own. That that you know, that just the moment I was like, "Oh my god, there's something greater than me." Oh my god. Whatever it is, I don't know, but but there's something greater than me. Let me ask you for help. Let me see. And then, you know, just that little sliver of, okay, well, you know what? Let me be open enough to give this a try. But then you see the results. Oh, there's something here. Then you start believing a little more. Then you give it another try. And you ask for help. And help is given almost on the same day. And then you try it again. And again and again. And then it becomes a knowing no book can tell you otherwise because you just know it in your personal life. During my mirror work this morning, like that's, I was just telling myself, like, you know, like you just know. It's like a knowing. I can't describe it. I was literally, this is the conversation I was having with myself during mirror work this morning. What is mirror work? Mirror work is um, when you're looking at yourself in the mirror and it's a practice through which you could do affirmations and, you know, it's it's good for like self-love and, and self-worth. Mm-hmm. I love doing, here I go again, but mirror work is my favorite when I'm on mushrooms. A lot of people are like, don't look in the mirror when you're on mushrooms. I'm like, what do you mean? That's like my most favorite time to connect with myself. Well, a lot of people aren't okay with like really looking into their own eyes. With me, I'm there, I'm connected. And a lot of my spiritual work has been through mirror work. Something huge, too, is like after I had my kids, I wasn't so happy with my body. So doing mirror work naked and just facing myself, that that was huge for <laughs> me and my confidence. This uh, The reason why I'm laughing Tell me. is because of the magical life we live and the alignment, okay? Just yesterday, I went to visit another friend, and she's telling me about this interview that she saw that the, the lady is talking about turning your maid into your soulmate, but... There was an exercise there about looking into into the other person's eyes, left eye specifically, because I said it, the one that connects to the heart, for four minutes, right? I'm looking at your left eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are. So with my friend, I'm like, okay, you want to try it? Let's try it. We couldn't because, you know, it, it was so funny. We were not in the mindset, so, but whatever. But that was in my mind. So literally, left last night, I'm trying to look at my left eye in the mirror. So the fact that you say, I was just doing mirror work and you I asked doing, you about it, this, yeah. is, this is the alignment. And you didn't even know what it was. But yeah, that's what the it is. The alignment is crazy. So during this morning, like, that's what I, that was the whole theme around, like what kept coming up for me. Like, you know, like, you know what you need to do. You know the answers. You know, you're guided. You're protected. Mm-hmm. You know this. And then I just walk away and I guess I'm Beyonce always. Oh, you are Beyonce. Literally. Singleness. Oh my God. Dating when you become this conscious. It's a struggle. It's been a struggle for me, the whole dating world, especially in in South Florida. Well, I guess I don't have a standard of compar- comparison, so let me be fair. 
it's been a struggle. And it's not because there aren't good people out there. You know, there's, in my experience, everybody has something worth, beauty worth seeing in them. Everybody's worthy of love. But there's a difference between, for me, between feeling love towards everybody and picking a life partner or picking a relationship, an intimate relationship. I have so many high standards for that. And one of my struggles has been, you know, a little bit of a disturbance to my inner peace at times has been, well, do I lower my standards? Right? And at some point, that was a little bit of a conflict. Like, am I being too, you know, because you hear your parents say, right? My parents have been together for almost 40 years. And you hear them say, you know, there's nobody perfect. You have to get with people and you mold mold them, especially the women say oh that about God. men. You mold men. Oh, and I'm like, terrible no, advice. No, no. Okay, but, but we're different. We're in a different level of awareness. People are always going to give you their advice based on, you know, their own life experience. Their own conditioning, and they their have, own yeah, and they have the best of intentions generally, right? You just have to, you know, give the space to listen, but remember that you're living your own life and that. You have to follow, going back to the same thing, you have to follow your own inner guiding system, which is something that I've had to learn. So at some point in my life, I was thinking, okay, maybe I should lower my standards. So in the dating world, I was like, okay, you know what? Let me, let me, date, let me date different people. You know what? Give it another chance. Maybe another date. Maybe even a third date. But I have learned that since the very beginning, first or second day, you already know. Like you, if, Once you're doing the self-discovery work, you can already know that Okay, this is going to work or this is not going to work. It's hard to do that when you don't know who you are, when you don't know who your values are, when you don't know what your priorities in your life are. It's hard to do it that. But when you do that work and 95% of the population, at least in the dating world, hasn't done it, it's almost like, I thought we had a good date. Um, yeah, but this is not what I want. So that has been, I mean, I've been, I've been single for like, what, now, four years? <laughs> four or five years? Yeah. I mean, of course, I've dated plenty, but I've come to a place where I love my life. I love my singleness. I love my, my peace. I love my comfort. I am enough for myself. Do I want to connect? Absolutely, because I have a huge need for love and connection. Again, going back to the human needs, which we still haven't gotten there. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit a lot of things out of this podcast. So I do want to connect. I do want to have intimacy. There's obviously physical needs as well that we have as humans that we cannot deny. So uh, sometimes it, it almost feels frustrating. Like I have had so many moments of being frustrated with the dating dynamics that we have going on right now in the modern world. <laughs> I feel like you want to say something wrong. No, just I'm, I'm waiting on you. And I know that, okay, but, but, but I kind of want to know, like, I mean... I know you've had your struggles in the dating world. Yes. You know them all. <laughs> and let's add another layer of complexity to that. You know, when you have many more options than if you like to say just one gender, there's an added layer of complexity of, well, so who am, who am I in my masculine energy? Who am I in my feminine energy? If you're dating women, if you're dating men, right? And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like, I want to be more... In my feminine energy, which I've been in my masculine energy, like pretty much all my life. And I want to be more in my feminine energy. So it's like, okay, so date men, 
but then no, not every man is masculine or date a woman that's masculine, but I don't like masculine women. I like femme women. (laughs) (laughs) I know. The struggle's real. So imagine... Uh, imagine the internal struggle, right? What do you mean imagine? I'm living it. Like, I don't need to imagine no, I'm anything. I'm talking to the people listening oh. to us, Romy. <laughs> <laughs> There's no imagination needed. Right, so if you're listening to this, all right, if, if you're listening, we're talking about dating in Miami and the internal struggles that happen when you're doing the spiritual work and connecting with people on a different level, on a more deeper, intimate level. And adding the layer of complexity of being open to men, women, you know, add to the anxiety. Because there is such a thing as dating anxiety. So add to the anxiety that you're neither here nor there. So like you want to be in your feminine energy. Like you just said, Romy, you want to be in your feminine energy, right? And you don't want to date a feminine man or a man that is more in his feminine energy than his masculine energy, right? right? But you also don't want to date a woman who is more masculine than feminine because that's also not something that you like. So imagine, it's like never enough, never satisfied, I know. right? So there's, and by the way, I'm there too. So there's some level of surrender once again, I have found. And I'm telling you this as it's still very fresh in my own life experience because there's some level of surrendering to what can I learn about myself, through this exchange, however long it lasts, because a lot of times I feel like we're very committed to or very tied to, I want this thing to last this long. I want this relationship to be life and forever. Did I have this conversation with you or are you just talking about the shirt now? This has been a theme my whole, this entire week. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe we been, did. No, like for the last three weeks, this has been my theme. Well, so we're aligned. Let's talk about it. So I'm sure we've talked about it in the last three weeks. We have to have. We, we must have, right? <laughs> this is what we do. This is what we do. We talk about so many things. Sometimes we lose track. But I guess we're both on this journey right now where we're really questioning. It's not even about, because for a long time, both of us were each like, no, I want to find my life partner. I want to find, the. And, and each of us would say this to the other. Yeah, I want to have a long-term relationship. I want to, you know, find the witness to my life, the, the the life partner forever, my person, and there's just one. And I'm not saying that that's not a possibility. What where where I've been lately is I'm going to surrender the timeline. I'm going to let it let the timeline go. And I'm just going to appreciate this person, whoever it is that I have in front of me. I'm going to appreciate them as another soul on this earth that it's just a cooperative component to me discovering further and deeper who I really am and what I really want and what I don't want too, right? And vice versa, because of course we act in the same way for the other person. Right. You have to be tuned into, okay, what can I learn from this? There's an intention behind it, right? But when you have this level of awareness of what does this relationship, and by the way, it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It could be a friendship. It could be family. It could be anybody in your life. If you're tuned into what is it that this exchange with this person is showing me about myself that I might need to heal, that I might need to transform, that I might need to reevaluate. And so I've learned to relinquish the timeline and just appreciate the person, which, by the way, has been a 
big conduit to my inner peace because I'm not at war with people anymore. Yeah, I came to that realization like three weeks ago because same thing. I've been for the last two years, like I want to find my person, my life partner. I want them to have all these qualities, whatever. And I've been bypassing people because um, of certain things, right, that aren't terrible. But, you know, I, I would think, well, this is not somebody I could spend the rest of my life with. But who's to say that whoever I do end up thinking that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person is somebody I'm going to spend the, my, the rest of my life with. You know what I mean? So I have in the last three weeks surrendered to the idea of just meeting somebody that we have a great connection with, that it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be together long term. It could just be something that we both need right now for our growth, for ev our evolution, for our healing, somebody that could compliment me and I them. So literally in the last three weeks, that's what I've surrendered to. I love it. You see, did you all pick up on the fact earlier when she said parallel lives? Yeah. This is our life. Yeah. Just parallel experiences. We've been on a very similar journey of self-discovery in this regard with the dating yeah. world. Since since we met. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's it has changed my perspective. It has given me a sense of calm. I do want a companion. I do. It's crazy because... Some years ago, my my love language was not physical touch whatsoever. But like now, I want that. Mm -hmm. I want that. Yeah, I'm I'm open to whoever, you know, comes along, and they don't necessarily need to be that person that I see myself getting married to or whatnot. But somebody that I could grow with and evolve with, and it does it. It could last a year. It could last three. It could last six months but I'm okay with it. So if you're listening to this podcast and uh, you are currently single, please reach out to 305. Don't, just don't, just don't, don't. It's, it's, you don't even know. Some people you take guys, advice. I've had guys in the online dating apps literally send me a message about, oh, hello, little doll. You know, I love that you're blonde and I love that. And I'm like, really? That's going to be your opening line? I don't even reply to those. This guy, let me spoil you, babe. I'm 31, work in TV, live at my own crib in Miami, Cuban, New Yorkno, musician, creator, gamer, tattoos. Déjame cuidarte, mami. How about you don't Speechless. and say you did? <laughs> okay, first of all, guys, if you're using the word crib to refer to your home, that just tells me single bachelor well, life. defense, he is from New York. <laughs> <laughs> just saying um sure but is that the man that you want absolutely right. not Hard so, no. so again there's no I, I just okay now on a more serious note i just want to i just want to have respect and acknowledge people for wherever it is that they are in their life right um if crib is how they go about their life and that's what they refer to their home fine whatever it doesn't matter that's their thing but the way that that entire message went. I just don't understand what your goal is. It, it, it's, it's like, you know, at least because of the work that you've done with yourself and the clarity that you have gotten about what you want and what you don't want. You know, this is not going to work, period. Let's not even entertain this conversation. Yeah, to me, idiot, no. Right. But you know what? Sometimes if you don't do the work, if you haven't really figured that out, you might be like, oh, 
this person wants I don't, to I don't want to be mean me. I or I don't want to be mean again the, the need for love and connection you don't want to be mean so you want to you want to connect at least and you want to reply even though you like oh my god this doesn't feel right so that's why and I cannot stress this enough that's why it's so important so important for the first step before you even go out there to the jungle today the first step is at least get to a baseline understanding of who you are get just that clarity about what are your values what's important to you in a relationship even if you're, you don't have it all figured out but just on a base level what are those standards that you have and do not lower them and, and honestly just because you know what your core values are and you're just learning who you are you could slip and yeah. go into old habits and realize oh my god like this is who i used to be i'm, I'm not in alignment And it's okay to just reassess and move forward in a new direction. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think self-compassion goes a long way. <laughs> and this happens a lot with um, with eating. You know, I want to go on a diet. I want to go on a diet. And then, you know, of course, my diet doesn't involve cake. And so, you know, there was this party going on and the cake, oh, my God, my favorite. I had a little bite. And then you're like well but I'm, i'm doing a diet i don't do cake but oh my god this cake right and so we eat the cake and then we feel so guilty about it right it's okay self-compassion it's okay this is part of the journey just like with dating you know what this date didn't go well but what can i appreciate about this one date that we have and i can tell you i mean i've had so many one one-time dates so many i lost count But I can tell you that in each exchange, because I go in with the intention of what is this showing me about myself, I cannot tell you. There's so many things that I have gotten out of even just going on one date or two dates. Whether it's a piece of information that they share with me, a book that then I end up sharing with somebody else. Um, they show me something like, oh, I definitely don't like that. So thank you. But no, I'm going to move on to the next thing. So it's it's such a gift. It's such a gift to be able to Go into, and also an anxiety tip, right? If you, if you have dating anxiety and you just go to the date with like, what can I learn about myself? I'm going to use this as an opportunity to learn about myself, something about myself. This person is going to be a teacher for me, right? It should help decrease that, that anxiety that we get. Like, are they going to like me? Are they going to like, you know, how should I behave and all of that? Just if you go in, like, what can I learn? Trust me, you're going to get something out of it. Yeah shift from that are they gonna like me too am i gonna like them mm -hmm. there you go that's i'm the queen question. here that's the question you know ask. i'm learning to embrace my queendom and my queendom says <laughs> it's like we were talking about the other day you know like if i saw me walking like i would date me <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it was like a tiktok it said it said <laughs> if you seen yourself would you be friends with you <laughs> And the response was like, I would fuck the shit out of me. I would fucking do anything to be my friend. I actually dated someone once that she would try to throw in my face. You you just you just want to find somebody like you. Like if you could date yourself, you would. And I'm like, Yeah, fuck yes. Please. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Are you trying to insult me right now? Because this, you're not, this is, you're not, no. Some people listening to this might be like, oh my God, they're so full of themselves, right? And that's okay. But I just want to, I just want to clarify, you know, 
focusing on yourself and learning to love who you are is the most selfless, not selfish, the most selfless things you can ever do for yourself and for others. Because when you are comfortable in your own skin and you keep yourself full, then you're going to be a pleasure to deal with, with everybody who comes your way. Because you don't need anybody else. You don't need any, any validation from anybody else. And so that's what we're talking about. Right. So I really want to get into the six human needs that we learned through Tony Robbins doing his coaching program. And we have mentioned it a little bit in the podcast episode. And just to give people an idea of what these six human needs are. So the first human need is certainty. Okay. And humans need to feel certain. Right. Everybody, all these human needs, everybody has them to some extent, but people have two needs as their top needs, which is their driving force. Right. And how we make decisions and how we go about doing what we do in day to day life. Correct. So certainty is the first human need. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I would like to reiterate that this is uh, based on one of our biggest mentors work, which is Tony Robbins. So, you know, one of the biggest things that he says, and, and he's seen millions and millions and millions of, of people throughout the world in his, like, what, 40-year-plus career or so. So he was saying that he notices that everybody has a reason to do what they do. Whether it's good, bad, it doesn't matter, but there's always a reason. Even if if, if, if someone commits suicide, if somebody blows up a building, if, some, if somebody shoots in schools, like we've been unfortunately getting a lot of that happening lately, there's always a reason why people do what they do. They're trying to meet one of their human needs. Exactly. One or several of their human needs, right? So he already identified there's really... The good news is that it's really only six reasons. And these are the six human needs or the patterns that he noticed in just about every single country, every single place in the world that he's ever been to. Right. right? And, and there's six needs, but people meet them in different ways. Correct. So, that, so let's get into it, right? So what are the six needs? All right, so the first, the first need is the need for certainty, right? That is um, the need to feel like you have a handle on whatever situation is going on in your environment, so control. Um, safety, comfort, survive. It's one of those primal survival needs, right? So like the fact that, you know, you have a home, you have a bed to go to sleep in, right? You, you have, in some cases, work that you know you're going to get income or your finances are in a level that are going to be able to cover all of your basic needs. That's, that's the need for certainty. By the way, we all have all six needs. We all have all of them. But as Romy mentioned, there's two top needs that we have the most of, and at any given moment, and those are the ones that are going to drive our decision making, right? Of whether we go on a date with the guy who's like crib or not, right? So, <laughs> so this, the, the needs actually ties a lot into everything that we've been talking about so far, because even with the, with the eating the cake example, there's a reason why you had to eat the cake, even though you said you were on a diet, right? Which need was driving that? So by the time we're done with this conversation, you know, like Tony says, you're all going to be practical psychologists because you're going to be able to tell through the examples we're going to go over. If you're very observant, you could tell. Yeah, you're going to be able to tell what need is driving what action. And you're going to be able to tell it for yourself. But even more cool, you're going to be able to tell it for your family, your friends, your significant other, and people around you, your coworkers. You can have a little bit more empathy. You can have more empathy. And also, you can learn to speak to them in a way that they're going to resonate with. So, for example, when, when you have and you're driving with a need for certainty, then you might decide that... 
you know, instead of going to a super adventurous vacation where like anything can happen, you'd be like, nah, I just want to chill at home. You know, maybe we can do a staycation instead. Or we could plan it out. Or we have to plan it out to make sure that each and right, and Romy's big planner, that each and every single possibility of surprises are minimized. Right. Right? Correct. So that is a need for certainty. Routines as part of certainty as well. Correct. Doing the same things all the time because you know what the result is going to bring. Yeah. Excessively working out, excessively um, calling your friends. I mean, that there's other needs that go into that. But if you have a routine of any kind with anything in your life that you do, even taking the same route to work every single day, right, with the same streets, that's all meeting the need for certainty and structure and control. One thing I do want to mention about certainty, which if we have parents listening to us right now, a lot of times parents want to control what their children do or don't do, right? And so there's a certain level of feeling like you could still control your child and feeling like you could, you know, you want to keep everything in a manageable place. That's also a need for certainty. Your mom, Romy, I don't have kids, but you have kids. Is this something that you've seen in your own life experience? I found balance. Sometimes it's not worth my peace. (laughs) (laughs) Some things I just got to let it go. I'm just like, you know Mm. what? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So the second, the second need, right? Because, because like their certainty is uncertainty. Right. Because, right. So if everything is certain, if you know everything that's going to happen on each and every single day of your life with the people, with the foods, with, if you just know everything, how do you feel? Bored. You're going to feel bored. So as Tony says, you know, uh, the goddess in her infinite wisdom gave us also the need for uncertainty. In other words, the need for variety, the need for adventure, the need to experience, you know, certain things are changes and all of that. Right. So we also have um, a necessity for freshness. And what was that? What was going into the unknown surprises? Mm -hmm. What was that? uh, What was that quote that he uh, he had, which is uh, the the variety is a spice of life? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it comes also. Into your relationships, right? Passion, like the the whole like masculine feminine dynamic, right? It's it's variety. It's uncertain because you know you don't know how the other person is gonna react a lot of times, and you have that polarity that happens. So, you know, uncertainty is one of the most fun needs if you if you ask me, right? <laughs> I you know <laughs> you're telling me and my my one of my top is certainty. So no. <laughs> right. So it's funny because Tony goes like, okay, so how many of you like surprises, right? And you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, 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 I love surprises. And he goes like, no, bullshit. You know, you like the surprises that are pleasant, the ones that you want, but you don't like right. the car crash that can happen here or there. You don't like what somebody... Tire, right. You don't that like phone what... call, you came out of nowhere. Surprise. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We only like the surprises that we want, right? But the truth of the matter is that, you know, uncertainty encompasses everything, neither good, nor, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. So some people have a bigger need for uncertainty than for certainty for example i'm gonna use this skydiving yeah my need for certainty is a little bit bigger than my need for uncertainty in that department (laughs) you've never gone skydiving no romeo you're not gonna get me there either (laughs) i have i'm an only child people i'm an only child i have to be responsible to my parents and it's not really something that i would love to do anyway so 
in the one percent or whatever percent chance that that parachute doesn't open or something happens, my parents lose their only child. So I'm good. Are you afraid of death? I am afraid of my parents suffering because of me. Were to happen, right? I'm a, I'm not afraid of dying for myself. Death, of course, is a huge topic for me since I'm since I'm a child, right? I would say more than death, I'm afraid of loss, right? I lost my grandfather and he was my biggest source of unconditional love. And I was in high school when this happened. And I know that I have a thing in my life with loss, right? So to think that I cause intentionally, right? This, this that I could cause this level of loss in my own parents and to think of them as childless. I must have been a mother that lost a child in another life, by the way. Um, but that to me, it's like, no, nah, I don't really want to go there. You know, there's more chances of you getting in a car accident than that parachute not going off, right? So you shouldn't drive. That's fine. Ever. But that, but th- that's fine. We have to pick, right? We have to pick. Listen, I don't want to drive. Really? I know you're trying to get me to skydive with you, but if I were really like, oh man, it would be so fun to go skydiving. Oh, but no, I'm not going to do it because, you know, this could happen. That would be a different story. In my case, I don't care to go skydiving. It's not something that it, it, it excites me. Just like I don't care to go diving. It's not something that excites me. Are you a diver too? No, I don't, I don't mess with the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that, Rami. <laughs> I have no problem like falling from the sky and just it being over. But I'm not trying to get like eaten by sharks and shit. That's a, that's a little too painful for me. <laughs> you know, and, and again, I think, I think um, all this to say, going back to uncertainty, we're still on uncertainty. All this to say is that you choose how you meet your need for uncertainty how you meet your need for certainty and all the, the other needs that we're going to talk about now. Um, because there's many, many ways to meet those needs, right? And then what determines which way you're going to pick is it's actually several, many other factors. Like what's the blueprint that you have for your life? You know, what are your values? What's the most important to you? I'll bring, I mean, there's a lot that goes into how we go about deciding what that's going to be. But know that whichever your needs are, There are ways to meet them that are constructive. There are ways to meet them that are destructive. There are ways to meet them that I guess I'm I'm more neutral. And there are ways to meet them that are empowering even. So keep that in mind as we go through the rest of the four needs. So, so far we have talked about certainty. We have talked about uncertainty. Next up, we have significance. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what we mentioned earlier when I said whenever... Somebody would look at me a certain way or like somebody would upset me. It was more like, who do you think you're talking to? Mm-hmm. Giving me that I need significance. And I know it all stems a lot from like childhood trauma. And like I see the connection with it all. Right. And well, in your particular case, in this particular example, obviously, there's many, many of those factors there. But just to, to generally, generally define significance, right? It's the, it's the need to feel unique, the need to feel special, the need to feel even admired or that you are important, right? Right. So for example, all of us children, each and every single one of us without exception, what we want most of is our parents' love and attention and affection, period. We might show it in different ways as kids, but we, we, that, that, is, that is, love is the driving force. So when you didn't grow up feeling that you got this love from your family, that your family was 
didn't think you were important enough and so, or you felt it that way maybe it wasn't wasn't true for them but maybe you felt it that way as a child it's very common for the need for significance to be prominent as you go along in life so that when somebody looks at you the wrong way it kind of like touches on the wounds of like you're not paying enough attention to me or you're not seeing me or you're not respecting me or you know i mean nothing to you or right so the need for significance can show up in so many ways including you know i'm going to i'm going to achieve and at work and i'm going to become the best and i'm going to be the most successful because mm -hmm. i want people to respect me right you can mm -hmm. achieve significance in that way you can also achieve significance by you know donating a lot of money and helping some type of charity that's like a more empowering or positive way to still feel significant yeah. right and, and what is it no i said yeah and then also the negative ways like you know people that might go around like sleeping around with different people i mean if if you're all in agreement with that that's cool but like people that feel the need like i want to have all these different partners and i'm not going to tell them each about each other or whatever it gives them a sense of significance like i could have all of these people Yeah, and actually that one seeps into the next human need, which is love and connection. Right. You know, because here's here's something super important about the six human needs. By the way, we all have them, I will reiterate, we all have them, all six of them. Each and every single person has all six needs. What we're talking about here is to the degree that we have those needs. Like which two are the driving forces for you? Right. Because and it could change over time. It could change over time, depending on your life situation, on your evolution as a human. There's many, it could change. But the top two driving needs at any given moment are the ones that are going to guide your decision-making abilities. They're the ones that you continue to make decisions from, from them are going to create your entire life and destiny, like Tony says. Right. So, a very important point here at this juncture, we've talked about three needs, right? Certainty or uncertainty and significance is when something or someone, right? Wh whether it's a person, a behavior, whatever it is that you're doing, when it fulfills three or more of your needs, it becomes an addiction, which is why sometimes we can be in relationships that we know are not good for us, but somehow we keep coming back to them. Yes. because they're fulfilling our needs in some kind of way whether it's toxic or not three. yeah think about it so with, right, whether it's toxic toxic or not good for you or not if it fulfills your needs you're always going to find a way to fill, to fulfill your needs right. like i said there's always going to be the needs are going to be met no matter what you're going to meet them no matter what mm -hmm. it's how you meet them that makes a difference right. right so with certainty it could be like i know for sure this person is safe i know for sure this person is not going to leave me i'm going to stay with them for connection not so much love because some people don't even want to like open themselves up to receiving love because they could get hurt but just having that connection with someone having somebody around so if it meets those needs you might stay with that person a lot longer versus okay this is not really in alignment with my life this is not in alignment in the direction i'm going this is not in alignment with my growth and my healing but it's meeting these basic needs right so i'm just going to stay here Yeah, and, and you know what? We were talking about dating earlier. So let's let's take the example when you meet someone new. It's still very new, very fresh, right? You're going to meet, if not all six, many of the, of the needs. So let's go over it. Certainty. 
oh, well, I'm certain that this person is going to be available because, you know, we're interested in each other. I'm certain that, you know, I know this about them. We're already connecting this thing. There's a certain level of certainty there. There's variety. You don't know the person, clearly. Uncertainty. Well, I still don't know how we're going to react, how the dynamic is going to be. So there's that need is met. Then there's um, significance. How important are you when somebody's chasing you? How important are you when somebody is just it's interested in you that wants to get to know you more in the dating, right? There's significance there. Then there's love and connection. Well, love takes a bit to get to, but connection, you can have a connection right away. And, you know, a lot of people might want to have many connections to go to your other example of, you know, going around with multiple partners at the same time, right? That's also the need for connection and significance. So now we're talking about four needs here. If you saw red flags in that person, but they're meeting your four needs, you might stick around a little bit longer. Mm. If you share growth with them, like you like to talk about, you know, things that that you learn, things that uh, you've, you've grown with. Oh my God, that's five needs already. Mm-hmm. And contribution, you're giving to each other. So the last two needs are more like on the spiritual aspect. The fifth one is growth. Mm-hmm. Like how is your personal development and your spiritual growth, all of that. And the last one is your contribution, your need to give. Right, need to give, need to share. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we, we're just using the example of the of the of a relationship. In many times, when you're in a fulfilling relationship, you're, that relationship is fulfilling all of your six needs, all of them. When is a relationship not fulfilling? When you're meeting, let's say, the first four needs, or any combination of that, and not so much the growth, and not so much the contribution, because as Tony says, the first four needs—so certainty, uncertainty, love, and connection, significance—are the needs. Of what he calls the science of achievement, right? You, if you lead through any any one of those or any two of those, if you lead through those, you you could potentially achieve a lot of success. For example, you could you know uh, have the drive to build an empire, even if you if you wish, right? But then it's not fulfilling. It's not fulfilling. It might make you feel like is this all there is? Right. You feel empty. You feel like you know because even when you're leading through a need like love and connection, the outcome. It's not something you can control. For example, you do not control how much love somebody gives to you. You do not control how much certainty you have in your life. You do not control how much uncertainty you have in your life. You do not control how important other people see you as. Oh no, you do, you do not control the fact that other people might think you're special or unique or something like that. You do not control any of that. But you do control how much you grow, how much you learn, what you do. You control how much you give, mm-hmm. how much love you give. You don't control how much love you get, but you do control how much love you give, right? And that's contribution. So what I would like to add to the, to the whole six human needs, you know, now that you know what they are, you can observe in people the behaviors and understand what is the need that's driving them. Start with yourself, though. See Number what, one. So, see what's driving you. Exactly. So let's talk about that, Romy. So what are, so what are your needs and what's driving you? Well, my first need is growth and my second one is certainty. Mm-hmm. And so how do you how do you meet your need for growth personally? My need for growth, I mean always learning something, doing a lot of my healing work, sitting with myself, discovering things about myself that still need work. Yep. Shadow work is huge for me. Even though it's not fun, I feel like I grow so much when I do that work. And it's so important. Like I cannot live my life 
And I cannot be with somebody that doesn't do the work as well. Mm -hmm. So that is a non-negotiable for me. So if it's somebody that doesn't, is not into personal development, is not taking care of themselves mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, that's a, that's a big no for me. There's no. Yeah. So, and how do you meet your need for certainty? Certainty, my routines, even though it, it's been a struggle ever since I had my youngest son, because unlike my older one that loves to sleep in, he likes to wake up at five when I do. So he actually woke me up this morning, like, mom, let's go downstairs. It's like 515. I'm like, <laughs> whereas to before I would wake up at five and I had two hours to myself to do my routine. Now it's like I have him, right? So he'll work out with me or like I can't meditate or journal and that stuff that I have to wait till he's in school and I do those things when I'm on my on my own versus before where it was part of my morning routine. Like sometimes I'm able to do it, sometimes I'm not. So also coming to the conclusion, this is just the way my life is right now because of my son. One way that I do meet that certainty is knowing that it could be Either way, depending mm -hmm. on how he feels that day. He's tested a lot of my certainty, my need for certainty, because, you know, he is on the spectrum and he is, I never know like what his mood is going to be like mm -hmm. versus like my older one that he's always the same. Mm. He gives you a lot of uncertainty. Yes, he does. So, so here's where, so Robbie mentioned her top two needs are growth, number one, and number two, certainty, right? And so the example... Since you do lead with growth, that ends up being your conduit to better dealing with the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. just, yeah, right. with the uncertainty, which which is the opposite of, of my certainty. The, right. right. So, because growth is number one, it allows you to be like, okay, this is where the life is at right now. Because all the learning and all the work that you do, you already know this is part of life. I wish it wasn't like that, though. I wish I could be the same every right, day. Right, right. <laughs> exactly, right? Because the need is still there, right? For certainty, right. but growth is leading. Right. If you, if, you were, if you just flip those and you had a bigger need for certainty than for growth, then you would be miserable right. the entire day trying to mm -hmm. fight something you can't really control. You can't control. So, so that's why I think it's important to put it in like practical terms, right. right? For people to see how those needs manifest. But it all goes back also to my need for peace being the priority because I have been in a space where I feel like I need to be certain more than anything else and it just stresses me out it's like I I'm literally fighting against the current swimming against the current like the, this is ridiculous mm -hmm. so surrender and take things for what they are do the best that I can as long as I do what I need to do at some point yeah exactly And I will tell you that, and to reiterate the point, the needs can't change. The needs mm -hmm. can't change. What are yours? So my top needs right now are growth, number one. And this is something we share in common. Then it's contribution. Then it's love and connection. Then it's uncertainty. Then it's certainty. Then it's significance. Maybe significance now because of the work that I'm doing. Maybe a little bit higher. So maybe flip certainty and significance. <clears throat> But I can say that to you now because I'm in a very certain environment right now. So the need for certainty at this very moment is not as pronounced as it was perhaps less than a year ago, for example, right? But generally speaking, growth has been a constant, number one, 
always. I don't think I've ever, yeah, I think maybe, maybe not always, but at least in my conscious adult life, growth has been because I'm always learning. I like every single day I'm learning on average, like an hour to three hours a day. And it's just, I love it. And I guess by now it's a routine. So it does mean my need for certainty as well, which is yeah. great. And it meets my need for variety, which is amazing. So that's already growth, certainty, uncertainty. Um, that's three needs. So that's an addiction. So yes, I am addicted to learning, everybody. <laughs> Hence why my Instagram is JDS Learn. <laughs> what is it? You said it before I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so those will be, and then contribution is because um, after all this work that I that I have done with myself, I'm at a place where I just want to share. I'm at a place where my entire life structure, like it's almost more important for me to to serve others and and do this really what I call to be my life mission, than even to be in a committed relationship. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love, love to be in a committed relationship. But if you're asking me to choose, for, because of our example, my third need is love and connection. My first need is growth. My second need is contribution, right? My life mission fulfills growth and contribution 100%. And, and, and actually several of my other needs as well. So if I'm faced with that decision, you know, let's say I, I meet a soulmate. And I'm faced with a decision like, hey, either you're going to spend the time with me or you're going to work on your life mission, but you can't do both. Guess what I'm going to choose? Mm-hmm. I'm going to choose my life's work. Right. I'm going to choose what my soul came here to do. Because I'm not driving with the need of love and connection. I'm driving with my need for growth and contribution. Right? So this is, again, I'm trying to use examples between the two of us that can help you put this into perspective in your own lives. Right? Of how this shows up. And sometimes it shows up in ways that we're not even conscious of, right? So, yeah, I would say those are my my top needs, Romy. Awesome. This is really cool stuff. I, I really enjoyed learning about this and, and seeing it with my clients and seeing it with you know, people I know. By the way, um, and I feel like I just say this because so many of us can relate to this, food and going to food that you just eat even when you know that, like I used my cake example, that is a form of fulfilling the need for certainty because food is comfort, and that's what certainty is, comfort. I'm a huge foodie. Right. And we, oops, me too. I love good food. Right? But so I want, so if you're listening to this, I want you to, you know, if you're struggling with, because a lot of people, we have been struggling with our weight. I know I have. I mean, I struggle with my weight all throughout my high school years. I always thought I was fat and chubby, even though I wasn't. Right? But I, I saw myself that way. And so if you understand what needs the food is meeting, and you know where you want to go and you know kind of the person you want to become then it's easier to navigate because you're at least aware and you could find other ways to meet that need that don't involve you eating a cake Mm -hmm. or don't involve you like binging exactly and and to go back to it you there's constructive ways there's destructive ways there's empowering ways so for example like if i eat this cake i'm going to feel good in the moment my endorphins are going to go high i'm going to feel great I'm going to feel shitty later for sure. But if I work out and I get my heart rate at a certain level and I sweat and I get my endorphins up, I'm going to feel amazing. And this is something that's going to benefit me in the long run. Mm-hmm. You're, re- you're meeting the same need, but two different ways. Absolutely. Have you heard about the, the, the video, the TED Talk that talks about the pleasure trap? 
No. I know we've, we've been talking about so many things here. <laughs> no time for pleasure trap. So there's something called, so this is an amazing TED talk that I watched and I do not remember who it was by, but if you, if you go on YouTube and you type the pleasure trap, you'll see it. But this is, this scientist figured out, he said, you know, the humans, we're concerned with two things. We're concerned with survival and we're concerned with energy conservation. So in other words, our primal needs are, you know, we want to survive, want to make sure we're doing things that, that, that we're not going to perish. And we want to spend the least amount of energy possible to do so. So let's apply it to food. This was, this was phenomenal, this, this talk. So I said, okay, so in, the, in, in your physical body, right, when faced with eating carrots versus eating a donut, we try to go for the donut. But there's a reason behind it. Because the donut... Tastes a lot better than fucking carrots. Let's be real. But, okay, but what's going on underneath, right? The donut has a lot of sugar, which is, it gives you a huge surge of energy. Mm-hmm. But you didn't have to spend three hours chewing three bags of carrots to get the equivalent of what the donut gives you. Survival, I need to, I need to eat. I need to nourish myself. If you don't, you die, Right. But I don't want to spend three hours chewing these carrots, so I'm going to have the donut, which is going to give me the equivalent amount of energy. So the pleasure trap, the trap part comes in when over the long term, if you do that all the time and you're eating the donut all the time, you're actually going to die sooner than if you were to eat the carrots, even though it's more work. Because over the long term, the donut is going to get you sick. Well, I mean, yes, because you don't realize the damages that it does. If everybody got a heart attack after eating a Big Mac, they would not eat a Big Mac. Mm-hmm. But because it happens over time. Exactly. Then once it happens, it's okay. Like, you know, now I have to deal with this problem. And just like this, this particular TED Talk was about food, right? But just like, it's just, you know, doing an analogy of this, it happens with your emotions as well. It happens when we're meeting the... The way when we use different ways that are not so constructive to meet our human needs, right? So, in other words, <laughs> Romy's hungry, guys. We have to wrap it up. <laughs> I'm talking about food. I want a donut. <laughs> Jelly donut, please. Um, but I'm gonna wrap it up. Like I'm gonna wrap it up by saying this, right? So just like in the pleasure trap we mistakenly think, okay, the donut is going to, it's going to allow me to survive and conserve my energy. When we meet our needs in ways that end up leading us to more stress in the form of anxiety, depression, dissatisfaction, unfulfillment, right? Over the long term, we're going to get sick because when we're constantly releasing stress chemicals in our bodies, eventually that turns into diabetes, a heart attack, it turns into heartburn, like in my case. It turns into, I mean, all sorts of diseases, including cancer nowadays. So that's why it's so important to, to sum it up here, to really understand what's driving you, to understand how you feel, how do you want to feel, and if I may just influence you into deciding to prioritize your peace. And just because you're here to feel free and at peace and to enjoy the gift and the miracle of the life that was given to you. You are supposed to enjoy your life most of the time. You're not supposed to feel stressed and anxious like I was the most of the time. You're supposed to enjoy your life. I do not ever, Romy, 
when I get to the end of my life feeling like I didn't do enough. I didn't become who I needed to become. I didn't live out the dream that my creator created for me. So everybody, create your own heaven on earth. You deserve it. Connect to the peace, the joy, the love, you know. But you deserve it. I just want you to understand. You deserve it. And it's how it's supposed to be. And only you get to choose. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure. Romy, thank you for having me. This is really amazing. Yeah, this this has been great. I had no doubt, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, So where can people find you? So uh, you can find me in yanediaz.com. So Y-A-N-E-D-I-A-Z.com. You can also find me in pasitude.com. So pasitude is P-A-Z-I-T-U-D. And on Instagram, it's uh, yanediazlearn. And you're also a meditation teacher at Omen Vine. Yes, I am. (laughs) Thank you for for giving me the opportunity to serve in that way. I mean, oh. If Full you circle. If you haven't, listen, if you haven't gone to Omen Vine yet, you gotta, it's something you gotta do at least once in your life. Because the moment you step in there, it's just such peace, such harmony. The place looks beautiful, by the way. You've done a great job. No, uh, that's my partner. I can't take you, credit for that. Well, so <laughs> you both, you, you both are rocking it uh, with everything that you're doing. The yoga class I took with you the other day, the yin yoga. Oh my God, that was so amazing. So thank you for that. So yes, there's meditation as well. Thursdays at six with Yin. Yes, yes, yes. And so, you know, y'all feel free to reach out. And uh, I'm happy to also create videos since I do make videos. I'm happy to create videos if you have any questions, if you have any life situation that you might be going through. Send me the questions, send me your situation, and I'm happy to make a video for you that hopefully provides some something of service. And you might catch us together on a Friday at Open Vine for karaoke singing a hard <laughs> oh, art. We just did that on Friday. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Um, well, thank you again. I'm so happy that you were able to come on. And um, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it. Remember to subscribe, leave a review. And remember, it's not all of the night.